Hey, good morning. How you guys doing? So good to see you all here today. Uh, I'd like to say to you all, Happy New Year. Uh, it is a blessing to be here uh, with you today. And again, if you're watching at home, Happy New Year to you too. This is the first Sunday of 2021. Aren't we all glad we got to make it here? Yeah, it is an amazing thing that God has blessed us to see this day. And so if, if you're like me, as per custom on the 31st, I'm sure many of you all had a great time. You had your parties, maybe, maybe scaled down from what they used to be. Uh, you clinked your glasses, you toasted in the new year. Thank God. Whatever it is you did, and I'm sure you listened to lots of fireworks, right? Yeah, I did too, starting around 6, 6 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock. 12 o'clock, lots of them around 12, and then one, and then two. Go to sleep, people. I'm serious. But people were celebrating uh, us coming into this new year. And, and, and I, my family was no different. My wife and my daughter, uh, my older daughter and I, we were home together alone. And my old, uh, younger daughter was at her apartment, um, and she's in college at U of H. She has her own place. My 18-year-old. But anyway, she's there, and she's at her own place, and she's having her time, and we're having ours. The only thing that really looked different is that we, didn't, we weren't around a lot of family and friends. It was just us three in the house. But we did like everybody else did. We toasted to each other to the new year, and thank God for allowing us to see it. Now, many of y'all don't know, but for us, my wife, the COVID virus hit in our family. So myself, my wife, and my older daughter, we all, at the beginning of December, we contracted the COVID-19 virus. And praise God, you know, several weeks uh, in the house and isolated one another, and we didn't kill each other. There she is right there as a witness, right? But, but God brought us out of it, and we're healthy. Uh, we feel great, and we have a great spirit about us, right? But I can tell you that time, those weeks that we were there in the house, um, I had a lot of time to watch TV. And so I'm telling you, I watch, I, I don't want to necessarily give shout outs to all the streaming services, but I hit a lot of them up. Trust me. And, and, and for me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a, a swords clanking, arrow shooting, hand to hand combat, one on one. I'm, I'm that kind of gladiator, uh, the men of Troy, barbarians. You know, that's the kind of movies I like to watch. And so I watched a ton of those. Right. And so in the process of watching these movies. There's something that happens in almost every one of those sorts of movies because there are battles that happen and there, you know, it ebbs and flows. But when the, when the seemingly big battles are done, similar to New Year's Eve, there's always this huge celebration for what happens after the battle. The victor of the battle, usually there's tons of music, there's tons of dancing, there's food and drink abounding, people shouting accolades or praise to the king of that particular sect or to the, or to the, the champion of the king that has gone out and won the battle. There's a lot of glory being tossed around in these movies. A lot of pointing to an affirmation that that guy or that hero and that girl is super and that they are amazing. They're awesome. And so that's what was happening. And then as I'm looking at through that, and I know God has blessed me to be able to prepare for this message. I started thinking about what God had begun to show me throughout the beginning of this year. 
God, God was giving, every year at the end of each year, God gives me what I consider a rhema word, a word that's set apart by God uh, as a perfect instruction for me and then for me to pass along to those that I have influence with. And so starting in September, October, this one word kept coming up. Glory, the glory of God. That phrase, the glory of God, all to the glory of God, just kept coming up. I'm reading in my scripture and I'm going, you know, I'm doing my, uh, my daily devotionals and well, here it is, all glorifying God. I'm talking to my friends in conversation and, and I believe that godly people have godly conversations. So by the time we get to talking and sharing what God is doing, it just, it always kept ending with to the glory of God. And then here I am sitting on the couch watching all these movies and I see glory even in the victories that were happening by mankind. And God said to me, Derek, I want you in this coming year. This is your rhema word. And this is the word that I want you to admonish those that you have relationship with the people of God that you have access to. In the coming year, I want you to live out everything about your life to the glory of God. You may have thought you did it last year. You think you're pretty close to me, and you are. But these things, I want you now to be more intentional and more purposeful in your life to point to me in all things, all to the glory of God. And so I hear this, and so today we're going to take some time to see what it looks like to live our lives as believers for the glory of God. And so the, here's, here's a couple of definitions. You know, I, you, you look up the glory of God and it's kind of ambiguous. What is the glory of God? So let's look at this. The glory of God is the beauty of his spirit. The glory of God is the beauty of his spirit. It's not the aesthetic beauty of his spirit but it's the beauty that emanates from him about his character. The glory of God is, is, is his character on display is one way that it was referenced. And see, this is a peculiar thing because when we talk about the beauty of his spirit, it is absolutely indescribable. It is absolutely not a word in the vocabulary of man that can be spoken, that could even remotely touch what the beautiful radiance of God's glory is. It's indescribable. Pastor Bob, you talked about Jesus Christ being born, I think it was on, on, on our Christmas Eve service, and he talked about, have you, have you have an indescribable gift, that indescribable gift that God gave us in his son? that I can't even begin to tell you, hey, so what gift did you get? What is this indescribable thing? Well, what do you do? So the only way that I can help you understand or anyone can even begin to identify with the glory of God is to see it. I can't explain it to you. I can just point you to it. If I was to be in the presence of God, I probably wouldn't even speak. I remember the song that Chad used, our, our worship pastor used it one Sunday. Like, what would you do if, if in the presence of God if he walked into the room? I don't know what I would do. I probably would just be awe-stricken to the point that I couldn't speak. And the only thing I could say is, that's it. I could just point to the glory of God. Some say that the glory of God has been described as everything 
that makes God God. Everything that makes God God is to his glory. All of his characteristics, his abilities, his power, his wisdom, all of those things combined is the glory of God. The immeasurable weight and magnitude of God are contained within God's glory. And again, so everything, the full weight and the magnitude of God is encapsulated in his glory. Think about it. It's his full glory. Nothing hidden, nothing held back. Man, I know that I could not even fathom being in the presence of God's full glory. Remember the story of Moses? When Moses asked God, let me see your glory. And God told him, now you can't even begin to see my glory. You die in the presence of my full glory. He said, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of a rock or a cave, and I'll go back, I'll go past before you, and I'll let you see the back of my glory, just in just the remnants of my glory. And even in that, that made Moses' face, because the reflection of God's glory was upon him, his faith was so radiant that he put a veil on his face, and so he was around the people as he, as he watched. And so that's what God's glory is, if you can get an inkling of an idea based on a description but the glory of God is something to behold and is something to reverence. All to the glory of God. That was the, the rhema word that God says, all to the glory of God. And so now I look at 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do. However you live your life should be to glorify God. Everything that you do should be able to point to and bring honor to God. And on the flip side of the thing is, if you are involved in or you're living a style of life that dishonors God, we ought to have nothing to do with it. The thing that we should do is live our lives to the glory of God. Whatever you do, if you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So what does that mean for us as believers? See, what does that mean for us? Now, you do realize that all of us, we are created in the image of God. When God created us, he made us in his own image. Now, we're not God, but we have the image of God, so we are image bearers of God. And so if I'm an image bearer, I carry his image. Those of us that have believed and received God, we have this, this image of God that's portrayed and is projected from us. So unfortunately, though, it, 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 we don't realize that our lives matter. The way we live our lives really does matter. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. And I know it could be just kind of passe and it just goes by. But the way you live your life matters to God. The way you live your life matters to those that God loves, which is all of us, because he sent his son to die. We have, as image bearers of Jesus Christ, this undescribable, indescribable gift of weightiness of God's glory that he's given to us through his son that he wants us to emulate through him. So the way you live your life matters. And here's a scripture that kind of denotes that. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. Here's what it says. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. 
nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine so before men. Let your light shine so before men. Why? That they may see your good works and then do what? And glorify your Father in heaven. See, your life matters. And your life should not be hidden and it should not be snuffed out. The light that's in you should be placed on a, on a lampstand so that the world can see. And when the world sees the image of Christ in you, they see his glory. And there's a lot of ramifications that come from being in the presence of God's glory. Now, unfortunately, in some, some, some way and at some times, we seem to exchange the glory of God for the glory of man. And so that man could be our boss, that man could be our pastor, that man could be our doctor, that man could be us, right? Where we feel like whatever we go to the man or the person, and we don't realize that whatever strengths, whatever gifts, whatever talents, whatever things that we have or they have, they did not originate in them themselves. They were given to them by the gift of God. God gave those things to him, he endowed them with those gifts and talents and abilities, even if they don't recognize it. But we as believers should. And so when I'm talking about things like this, we will, we will try every avenue to fix or to solve a situation. We'll go to doctors, oh, it's just a little cough. I'll, I'll take my Tylenol and, and I'll, I'll pop a, a, a Advil or whatever you're going to do. And then, well, it's not, I guess I'll go to the doctor. He'll help me. The doctor shows up. The doctor looks at you. can't figure it out. And now, 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 wait a minute. Hold on. Doctors don't know what's going on with me. I better pray to God. Do you see how that's putting the glory of man before God? Why not start with God? He's the one that's going to be able to fix it, whomever he chooses to fix it through. This is the idea. Sometimes we would rather trust man rather than trust God. We trust in our own abilities sometimes rather than God. How many of us have, have lived our lives where we say, man, you know, even in our spiritual journeys, if I could just get this fixed in my life, this, this one thing, everything else, God, is pretty cool, copacetic, but I just have this one thing. If I could just get the dream job that I want. So give me some time to hustle, to grind. I might not spend enough time with you, but if I could just get this one thing fixed in my life, God, I'll be ready to do what you want me to do. If I can just get this right within my, my actions and my deeds, God, I'll then be ready to look at you face to face. And God, I, look into the arrogance in that. I feel like if I can get this done, now, now God, I can be able to glorify you. But you know, even in our, in our worst times and our raggedness, God still loved us. There's glory in us regardless. We don't have to wait till we fix everything before we encounter God. But nonetheless, that's what we do. And so when we do those things, we, be able, we, we create idols within our own hearts. We create idols of the things that we give glory to above God. Matthew 6, 20 through 21 says this, But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. See, idols can be attitudes of the heart. Idols can even be our family. 
Idols could be our, you know, and again, there's absolutely nothing wrong with aspiring to have this great family, you know, where you got the husband and the wife and you got one point, uh, uh, well, 2.5 children, or two and a half, one and a half, how do you get, you get the half? I don't know. But you get that and you have a dog, a picket fence, swimming pool in the back. You're living absolutely phenomenally, right, by the standards of man. You got a great job. Your wife works a great job. Your children are well-mannered and you feel like you did it. You feel like you did it all yourself and you consume yourself with keeping this perfect family image, even when it's not necessarily perfect. We know social media perfect is a different thing, but that's another story. But what I'm saying is we begin to make idols out of our lives. Just go through, go scroll. We begin to make idols of our lives. And oftentimes we don't say we don't see the little caption of the caveat said to thank God that he allowed me to do this. Blessed be the name of the Lord that he's endowed me with these gifts and talents so that I can feed my family. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done and what you've blessed me with in my home. See, if we don't do that, we begin to idolize it and we begin to chase after those dreams and those things that necessarily aren't giving glory to God. Even our ministry, as we talk, our ministries can be uh, uh, idols. Those of us that get an opportunity to grace this platform, those of us that function and serve as missionaries around the world, the country, and even in our cities, if we get caught up in what we're doing and we get caught up by the praise of man, sometimes we can be puffed up. Sometimes we can think that we are doing that thing. God, thank you. I, 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 we don't even go that, man. You said a word today, Brother McNeil. Yes, I did. I gave it to you. No, 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 no. The Lord God, every word, that's a prayer. And we are very fortunate our deacons pray with us before we come out. And I cannot tell you how beneficial, how beautiful it is to have men of God put their hands on you and pray for you before you go out because it humbles you. I know it does me. It lets me know that whatever God's going to say out of my mouth is from him, not me. Yeah, I typed it. Yeah, I wrote it. Yeah, I put it together. But God gave it to me to do that. So when we can keep it in that realm, we keep it out of the realm of idolatry. Because here's the thing. When we put that idolatry as it sneaks up in, uh, in our lives, it snuffs out the glory of God. Because again, it points to the glory of man. So he tells me, Derek, this year, I want you to live your life in such a way that when people look at you, they see me. And if they don't see me by what you're doing, you start pointing me out in your life. Not that you don't do it, but I want you to be intentional and purposeful. All things to the glory of God. Now, when those sneaky idols come in, let us destroy them and not give ourselves to them, but give God the glory that is due his name. Give God the glory that's due his name. Let God be the most famous person in the room when you walk in. Let God always be the greatest when you walk in. That's what he calls us to do. That's what we're created to do, to bring honor and glory to him. When we do this, then by his amazing grace, may we see the glory of God come down in ever-increasing measure, all to the glory of God. Now, the question is, how do we do this? How do we glorify God in all things? I mean, come on, man, riding my bicycle around the park? How do I glorify God in that? 
How do we glorify God going out and cranking up my car and driving it to the store? What do you mean, Derek, and all things glorify God? But let's just listen at a few things. John chapter 17 says this. I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Now, John was praying in this. It was God, Jesus was praying to his father about his personal disciples. And he's saying to God, God, I have glorified you on earth. What did I do? I've completed the work that you've given me to do. The thing that you've instructed me to do, I've done. I have brought glory to you because I have helped these men understand who you are. They now understand your glory. They understand that you sent me to die for them. They understand that I am of you and that you are, that I am in you and you are in me. And now, God, because they understand they are in us and that's what I strive for. That's the glorification that God did on this earth before he died. He pointed to his father and men responded. Do you see what I'm saying? All to the glory of God. Jesus glorified or made known the Father by completing the work in his disciples. Then John chapter 17, if we continue on, verse 20 through 23 says this. I do not pray for those alone, these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Not only do I pray for them and them alone, but I pray for those that will believe in me through their word. He was praying for us. He was praying for these people in this room right now that have professed Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And because of his word, they glorify him. So he says that, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world might believe that you sent me. Do you see this? When we are aligned with God, the world will know that God sent Jesus. And then, and glory, which you gave me, I have given them, and they may be one just as we are one, I and them, and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and love them just as you have loved me. He wants the world to know that he sent his son to die for us. And that comes now through the disciples and his prayer for us so that when we speak the word of God and we live and we point to the glory of God, that people will see and want to know and respond to God in a way maybe that many of you have. That's to the glory of God. Jesus was praying to the glory of God. The loving relationship of believers uh, to each other is the greatest witness to Jesus's ministry. How we love one another. You recognize them as my disciples by the love they share for one another. We glorify God when we become unified in our strivings. When, he, when we bring unity in the lives of the people that we are with, we look for resolution of, of, of issues quickly. We strive to, to reconcile ills and wrongs. We are unified in our thoughts and our minds toward Christ. We serve the one true living God. All of those things that bring glory to God. So now how then can this thing happen? What practically can we do, Pastor Derek? Why? What can we do? Because God said very clearly to me, not only you, D, but teach my people that the way they live their lives matter. I don't care how you live 2021. 
I don't care how you live the moment before you walked in this door. I do care about how you live from this point on. And I know it's something uh, like anything else that is, is, is habitual. You have to kind of get it to going. This day, right now, I'm charging you that are listening. Commit yourselves to the Lord. Listen at these practical applications. Think about what we can do and then begin to put in the effort and the work. In the smallest of things, acknowledge God. Point to him in everything. Here in Hebrews 1, 3, Jesus is is speaking of Jesus, and this is what was said of Jesus. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus is the exact imprint of the nature of God. He is the radiance of God. And for those of us that have professed Christ as our Lord and our Savior, it behooves us to function like Christ. You know, Paul tells Timothy, follow me as I follow Christ. Throughout scripture, you'll say, imitate Christ. This is who we need to imitate. Christ is the exact imprint. He is the example of how to live our lives. So when we say, practically speaking, what can I do? Live like Christ. This is where the proverbial, what would Jesus do, comes to play. I know it's trivial, you know, when, when you oversaturate the market with, with, with bracelets and T-shirts and everything else to say, what would Jesus do? It becomes just a phrase. I want to bring that thing back right now today. From this moment on, as you make the decisions in your life, what would Jesus do? How would this glorify God? Because Jesus' whole existence was to bring glory to his Father. He said, now, God, I have given glory to you on earth. Now it's time for you to glorify me in heaven. Right? He was about glorifying his Father, pointing him out so that we can be in the presence of his awesomeness. Now, so one way, if we're going to be Christ-like, one thing that Jesus Christ was full bore that was in every essence of him was being empathetic and compassionate. Jesus understands our pain. Jesus understands our suffering. Jesus understands our joy and our jubilation and everything in between. And so if we're going to be like Christ, we have to begin to have an empathetic spirit about us. That means we need to really want to know what's going on in the lives of the people that we love and the lives of the people that we're in relationship with, however small or however great. When I'm talking to my friend and I see that they're depressed, when I watch one of my friends, I say, man, oh, how are you doing? They say, eh, I'm doing pretty good, right? If I look at body language, if I see, eh, right, I can go on about my business and check that box off. So I checked on them, right? That's not being empathetic. Empathetic is to see that and then respond to it. Hey, brother, so what's going on? Hey, sister, what's happening? Sit in it with them. Show up. Be available. I want to be in your presence, whatever you're going through. If you're celebrating or if, you, if you're in the dumps, I, I'm going to sit in it with you. Right? And as I sit in it with you, I'm going to be quiet. And I'm going to listen at you express your feelings. I'm going to listen at you express your heart. And then I'm going to be praying in my spirit, God, let me feel what they feel. Let me see what they see that I can understand where they are. That's what Christ does. He knows where we are and he meets us at our very need. See, if we're going to be Christ-like and we're going to bring glory to God here on this earth, we need to look like him. 
And so empathy is one way that we could do it. Now, so now I've sat with you. I've listened to you. I've heard you, and I really do understand. I believe I have a good insight to where you are, the joy, the highs, the lows, and in-betweens. Now, what do I do with it? Do I say, all right, I got that done. I know about you. No, no, no. There's another step. This is the compassionate side. This is where uh, our emotions and our passion that is stirred up in us through that experience with our friends, our family, our influences. Now, what do we do with that? You're hurting. How can I help? How do I now serve you? That's where the action step comes. You get passion that's put with action, and now you have compassion. This is what he tells us in Colossians 3.12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Empathy and compassion leads to serving. So many times in the scriptures, they say, Jesus saw them. They looked like sheep without shepherds. And so he had compassion on them. And then he began to heal them. He healed their sick. He fed their hungry. And he also taught the word of God to those that needed to hear it. So we need to serve God. But how do we serve God in, in, in this time, this COVID season? Uh, people are not even gathering together. It was only three people at my Christmas party. It was only three, four people at Christmas party, three people at my, at my New Year's Eve party. How am I? I can't even be around people, God. How am I supposed to serve? Listen at this, 1 Peter 4.11. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself was speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with the strength and the energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will do what? Bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever. Amen. See, when we begin to serve God, we bring glory to him with all the gifts, all the talents, all the abilities, small or great that God gives us. If we serve him with them, point to him as being the, the giver of the good gifts, he will get the glory. We may receive the benefit, but he will get the glory. I know for me, as I spoke earlier, we were out of commission for a few weeks. Here in this COVID season, here are a few things you can do. Can you pick up your phone and text a friend an encouraging word? Maybe you've read your devotional. Maybe God put, a, put it on your heart. Maybe it's just asking, how are you doing? Text it. Can you pick up your computer and type an email out? Maybe add an attachment to that email with some bright, shiny music or something that says, hey, I'm thinking about you. That goes a long, long way. I know for us, when we receive phone calls from friends, like a real phone call, like, you know, like, because I know if this is real good. My thumbs will call a lot of people these days. But now I want to, I, I'm telling you, for us to hear voices on the other end of the phone was amazing. See, this is what I'm saying. That's service. That's not anything uh, great, but it is great in the eyes of the Lord because those calls, those messages, those texts were from a godly place. Now I just want you to call it out as such. Ordering groceries and having to deliver it to your friend's house. They may be out of a job right now, and, and for whatever reason, they're struggling. They have this idol of pride in their life, and they don't, want, they don't want people to help them. We don't need help. Yeah, you can hear that, but he says, 
all to the glory of God. So you say, hey, I know their address. I'm going to send them over a care package from H-E-B. H-E-B will deliver it for me and put it on their step. They ring the bell, and all you can do is put a note that says, thanks be to God, blessings to you. Whatever. You don't have to put your name on it. Can you serve like that? Yeah. Somebody can bring you a meal when you need it the most. I'm telling you, I had the best chicken noodle soup I've ever had in my life. A friend, and I'm not exaggerating that at all. It was hearty. It was delicious. My friend, they brought it. They put it on our step with a row of crackers and a bottle of 7-Up and said, we love you. And man, I ate, we ate. My wife doesn't even do soup. She ate along with me. And that kept us for a few days. And we had said, no, we don't need anything. But they brought it and put it on there. And God was glorified in what they had done. Even like Beth mentioned earlier, giving is something that you can still do to serve God, right? You come here at church or you listen online, God puts it on your heart to give, then give. See, this is the way to serve God in obedience. It's not compulsion. Nobody's going to force you. Nobody's begging you for anything. But you can serve and nobody has to know you do it on your own account, in your own business. God knows that's how you can serve. Given your time and mission and opportunities are ways that you can serve God. But whatever you do, according to Colossians 3, 23 to 24, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. That's who we're serving. It's not man. Think about it. Everything you do. It is not serving man. It is serving God. So when I say I'm riding my bicycle around the park, when I look up and I know we got a nice little riding trail around our park, and when I look out and see the waterfowl out there, and I'm another bird's guy, and I love them from a distance. <laughs> yeah. But, but when I see them out there swimming in the water, when I see them land as I'm riding on my bicycle around, I feel the breeze. I know God's presence is there. I don't have to shout. I don't have to sing it out, but I can thank God even on a bicycle ride. When I thank God for the strength he gives me to pedal one extra lap that I got this week that I couldn't get last week. You see what I mean? And all things give glory to God. Now, this is the last thing I'll talk about before we get out of here. If we are going to be like Christ, this is one attribute that God has that we all need to get. Everybody in this room that believes in Christ is a recipient of this gift already. Those that don't know Christ, this gift is on the table being presented to them. That gift is grace. See, God gave us grace, unmerited favor. It's nothing that we did to deserve it. And guess what? He wants us to be a reflection of him as he is a reflection and the perfect imprint of his father. Right? And so I don't know what happened to you in 2020. I don't know what happened to you in 1975. Whatever it is, whomever may have hurt you, whomever may have offended you, here's an opportunity from this day forward to extend the grace of forgiveness to them. Yeah, they don't deserve it. Pastor Darrell, you don't know what she did to me. You don't know how he treated me. No, I don't know. But I do know that while I was lost in my sin, forever separated from God, doomed to hell and damnation, God loved me so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for me. He said, while I was yet a sinner, 
not even that I've changed, not even that I've gotten myself together and I'm a little bit better than I was. He said, in the midst of my sin, he loved me enough to send his son to die. That's what he wants us to do. Give grace to those that may not deserve it. Now, that doesn't mean you got to go make happy happy. But that means in your heart that you need to reconcile that pain, that suffering, that thing that, that encumbers you, that, that separates you from a relationship, even a potential relationship. Because I'm saying you don't have to have that part, but you have to reconcile it with God. Grace given from the heart. God can do amazing things with that grace. So that's the last thing. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And so if you're here today and you have heard a word from God and you say, God, I've never, I've never seen it. I've never, I've never uh, fully understood it. But I've seen it through the testimony of my friends. Now, here's the thing. Testimony. And I, I said one more, but I want to make sure I do this. Revelation 12, 11. And they, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much they were afraid to die. Here's the thing. That was against Satan. How did these people, how do we overcome the enemy? How do we overcome Satan? By the blood of the lamb, salvation that is given through us through Jesus Christ and him alone. And through the word of our testimony, how you live your life matters. And if you can hear my voice today, it, it, when you leave here, I want it to be seared in your brain. How you live your life matters because that is your testimony. That's your testimony of the God that you proclaim. Some people see your actions and never hear your words. They watch what you do. That person that's in the, in the, in the, in the cubicle next to you, the guy in the mail room, uh, uh, the, the UPS worker when he comes in, something's different about him. What is that? They may not ever heard you say the name Jesus, but they see it in the testimony of lies. Now, whatever you went through, whatever you've gone through, you can also point to him as a testimony. God, bless me with this. This is his favor that rests on me. This is how God's faithfulness kept me when I was down. Your testimony matters. And so if you're here today and you've heard a testimony even through word or through actions or today if you heard something through virtue of testimony from my mouth and you don't know Christ and you say, God, I want to know you. God, I want you to come into my life. I want to experience your grace. I want to be able to glorify you in all that I do. Now that I know that even in the minuscule things, I can point to you and you are glorified. God, that's what I want to do. If that's you, I want you to pray with me right now. Father God, thank you so much for this day. God, I love you. I adore you, God. God, I've heard your word spoken today. God, I want to know who you are personally. I'll invite you in my life. God, I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. God, I acknowledge that. 
And Heavenly Father, I believe in my heart and I confess with my, my mouth this thing. I know, God, that he died, but you and your infinite glory raised him from the dead, gave him all power and authority. God, he died for my sins and by his blood I have righteousness and I'm able to be in your presence eternally. And I thank you for that, God. God, I love you and I accept that. Help me, Lord, live my life. Help me be sanctified from glory to glory that I, my character may look like more like you as I go about my life and my days. And God, I'll be careful to give you praise for all those things. God, only for your glory, let these things be done. Whatever it is, to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.